0: Ed Flash Ferrans.
1: Here we go again. Another labor law violation at Starbucks. Meanwhile, workers are being targeted at an Amazon Air hub for trying to unionize. And today on the show, the latest from the Ohio AFL-CIO and what Alabama arise is all about. Welcome to the Tuesday, December fifth edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify and Pandora. Timothy Berga will be our first guest on the show today. Longtime supporter of America's Workforce. Comes to us from the Ohio AFL-CIO, where he has served for over a decade as president. For complete updates, go to ohioaflcio.org. What we're going to do, uh, last time he was on the show, it was election day, so we'll kind of take a review of what happened in the polls. A lot of union brothers and sisters got involved In politics in the last year, year and a half, and we had some wins. We'll touch on that. We'll also take a look at issues one and two. It's kind of interesting because both issues, much to the chagrin of conservatives, pass by an overwhelming margin, one dealing with reproductive rights, the other recreational marijuana, and almost immediately top leaders – Conservative leaders promised they would try to unravel what the voters approved. We'll also talk about redistricting. There was a, a Supreme Court ruling recently, much different than a past Supreme Court rulings. So it was a four to three ruling. Last time, Maureen O'Connor was the chief justice and she was the swing vote. Well, What happened here, they denied a challenge to the constitutionality of the newest maps. So the old maps will be the new maps in 2024. Now, we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about a very good possibility of a new system in the state of Ohio when it comes to gerrymandering. There's been a proposal, once again, by the former Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, who put together a 15-member commission. Five Democrats, five Republicans, five independents. And maybe that way we'll see some fair maps. We'll see. Our second guest on the show today is a newcomer by the name of Dev Wakely. Dev is a worker policy advocate for an organization in the state of Alabama called Alabama Arise. This is a nonprofit statewide organization dedicated to advancing public policies to improve the lives of people in Alabama most of whom are living and working in poverty. And they just came out with a new report, A Wheel in the Ditch, a closer look at Alabama's big bet on the auto manufacturing industry. And they point out since the 1990s, Alabama has bet big on the auto industry. It's been a high-stakes effort to rebuild the state's economy around high-wage manufacturing, raise the wages of workers in Alabama and reduce the economic distress so prevalent across the state. Well, a quarter century afterwards, and this is when the first Mercedes Benz came off the assembly line in Vance, Alabama. Now is the time to evaluate how this bet turned out, who benefited and by how much Well. The 2023 edition of the State of Working Alabama assesses the results of the drive to bring the automotive manufacturing industry to Alabama. Now, in this report put together by Alabama Rise, it analyzes the industry's rapid growth over the past several decades and the ways in which it has met or fallen short of its potential. The report shows the heavy use of tax incentives in the state's economic development strategy. It also reveals how a worker-focused development strategy would bring better results than the company-focused strategy that Alabama has prioritized. The report also lays out shortcomings in pay for the same duties that workers perform in other states. It also reveals instances of unfair worker treatment and a lack of workplace equity across racial and gender demographics. It also shows the massive economic benefits of creating a more equitable structure for the state's auto industry. And they recommend numerous policy changes, including many that auto workers directly urge. To help fix the industry-wide shortcomings, the recommendations would bring compensation and job quality in Alabama's auto manufacturing sector up to parity with national standards. That's exactly why the UAW wants to organize the non-union plants in the South. So uh, Alabama Arise, do check out their uh, website, alarise.org. A lot of good information and that complete report, you can read it right there on the website now a brief look into the world of labor the segment brought to you by boyd waterson asset management you can find more at Boydwatterson.com. an nlrb judge has found starbucks violated labor law by terminating two union supporters and engaging in anti-union practices this was at a portland oregon cafe the judge sharon levinson steckler ordered Starbucks to rehire a shift supervisor and a barista who had been fired for union activity after working at the store for more than 14 and 20 years, respectively. The company claimed the firings were based on the workers' disciplinary records, but the judge determined the company had actively built those records by targeting the employees after learning of their support for the union. How about that? The Portland store unanimously voted to be represented by Workers United in July of last year. The judge found that before the election, Starbucks illegally opposed the union campaign by instructing the supervisor to remove her union t-shirt and removing union flyers and a button from bulletin boards. The judge noted a discriminatory approach in enforcing the dress code, pointing out Starbucks had not similarly objected to a Black Lives Matter T-shirt worn by the supervisor three years ago. No surprise here, Starbucks plans to appeal that decision by the Labor Board judge. Meanwhile, workers at an Amazon Kentucky facility, its largest air hub in the world, filed a charge with the Labor Board last week alleging that Amazon has been retaliating against them for trying to collect union authorization cards. Among other disciplinary actions, Amazon ordered workers to tear down a pro-union display outside the facility and threatened to terminate a dozen employees who had refused to follow the order. Now, workers provided audio and video recordings to Bloomberg Law documenting managers' warnings in workers' resistance, citing free speech rights under federal labor law. Interesting to note that this clash between management and pro-union workers at Amazon's major facility is once again revitalizing the clash between the labor movement and the world's largest e-commerce corporation, a company that spent more than four million dollars on union avoidance consultants last year alone. And finally, the United Auto Workers Union is calling for an immediate permanent ceasefire in Gaza. The UAW is the largest union to have called for a ceasefire with 400,000 active members and over 580,000 retired members. Other unions that have called for a ceasefire include the United Electrical Radio and Machine Workers of America, the Coalition of Labor Union Women, and the American Postal Workers Union. UAW Region 9A Director Brandon Mansella announced the ceasefire outside the White House, along with protesters participating in a five-day hunger strike. He said, a labor movement that fights for social and economic justice for all workers must always stand against war." And for peace our international executive board will also be forming a divestment and just transition working group to study the history of Israel and Palestine our unions economic ties to the conflict and explore how we can have a just transition for u.s. workers from war to peace and Sean Fain the president of the UAW posted on X that he was proud of the union calling for a ceasefire from opposing fascism in World War II to mobilizing against apartheid in South Africa. The UAW has consistently stood for justice across the globe. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Tim Berga on behalf of the AFL-CIO coming up next.
0: This is America's Workforce.
2: It takes LIUNA to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Layuna, the Laborers' International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the side of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Layuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by LIUNA at liuna.org. That's allyuna.org
1: The Alliance for American Manufacturing is a nonprofit, nonpartisan partnership formed back in 2007 by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers. Their mission is simple, strengthen American manufacturing and create new private sector jobs through smart public policies. Key word there is smart. We need to be smarter than ever in today's highly competitive world. The Alliance for American Manufacturing believes that an innovative, and growing manufacturing base is vital to America's economic and national security, as well as providing good jobs for future generations. Good jobs today, good jobs tomorrow. Good American jobs. Find out more at AmericanManufacturing.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Iron Workers. You can find more at Ironworkers.org.
2: America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft Hartley funds at BoydWaterson.com.
1: The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org.
3: Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SBS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections.
1: America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org.
0: Now, back to America's Workforce.
1: Here's Ed Flash Ferrens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go to Columbus, Ohio, and welcome one of our longtime supporters and contributors. That would be Timothy Berga. Tim is president of the Ohio AFL-CIO. For complete updates, ohioaflcio.org and we're uh, approaching the end of the year, and there might be some legislation that could possibly hurt workers, especially in universities. That would be Senate Bill 83, we'll touch on that. But Tim, last time you and I talked, it was election day, and we were talking about union brothers and sisters, some of them that uh, were officers in their union, and I know the AFL-CIO on a national level has been encouraging so many people, hey, if you're a business manager, if you're a president or a vice president of your union, Get involved in politics because you can truly make a difference. And from what I gathered here, there were uh, 40 union members that ran, 27-1. And uh, overall, the ones that were endorsed, they may not belong to a union, but they were endorsed by unions. There were uh, 202, and out of that group, 161. Tim, I'd say that's a pretty good track record. What do you think?
4: Yeah, we had a really good election day. Uh, local officials, city council, county commissioner, township trustee, school board, uh, and issues. Uh, there were a lot of issues on the ballot. We were had a really good day. Um, a lot of working uh, uh, union members ran for office and won that we backed, and uh, a lot of candidates who support unions ran that we endorsed um, and won. So a uh, good general election day. And we do well uh, locally. Uh, It's just as we've talked so many times on this program when it comes to these maps are rigged and it's hard to break through. And so many of our endorsed candidates have have trouble that way. But had a really good election day, and uh, now we're um, on to uh, try to do something about this gerrymandering in Ohio. And I'm sure you want to talk about that.
1: Oh, absolutely. And uh, let's talk about the Supreme Court ruling. And it's almost like some people have given in. They want to go for this uh, new formula, which we can talk about citizens, not politicians, because we have to keep the politicians out of this redistricting thing, because right now with the conservative majority, we're not going to get anywhere with that. So uh, talk to me about, well, what happened here at the Supreme Court? This was a four to three ruling. Again, elections matter. You had uh, Maureen O'Connor, the chief justice in the last term, that was the swing vote, and apparently it went the other way in this one. Can you explain what happened here?
4: Yeah, it was a party line vote at the Ohio Supreme Court to say that the maps um, uh, were illegally drawn uh, for the state uh, legislature. So um, we need to change the way the system is done altogether. The politicians should not be involved in, designing the legislative maps that they're going to ultimately be running in. So uh, there's an effort uh, underway. Uh, They're out there with petitions getting signatures, an effort called Citizens, Not Politicians, uh, to try to say we need to take the politicians out of the map-making process and put it in the hands of an independent body. Uh, So the Ohio AFL-CIO is out there helping to get signatures You'll probably start seeing, um, I actually was uh, in uptown Westerville Friday night for the uh, Christmas tree lighting and there were petitioners out there. So you'll start seeing petitioners around. Uh, that's what they're doing. They're getting signatures to uh, stop this gerrymandering. They have to get a certain amount of signatures by you know first part of July, basically, to try to get this thing on the ballot as a constitutional amendment for the November 2024 election. So that's kind of where we're at and encourage uh, all your listeners to sign this petition um, once one's in front of them.
1: Now, Tim, the voters wanted some change years ago. I think it was in 2015 and 2017 on the maps, mm-hmm. but that right. didn't work out. This one here is, is is kind of different, isn't it?
4: Very different. I mean, we actually endorsed the effort in 15 and 17. The problem is, the, the redistricting commission, the politicians that make that up, didn't want to adhere uh, to what the voters had voted on. And then it went to the Ohio Supreme Court, and the Ohio Supreme Court ruled seven times that those maps that they kept sending them were unconstitutional. And basically, they just ran the clock out and ignored them. So that's where we're at. We're still, we're still under the uh, gerrymandered maps for both state legislature and Congress. This initiative would change that. We put it into independent commission hands. These are people that have no uh, uh, no uh, elected party, public, off, whole public office of any kind. They're appointed by uh, a, an impartial panel of judges, and that's how we get to the place where we actually have maps that are fair and competitive. And in organized labor, all we say is just give us competitive districts and those legislators will then listen to our issues and listen to us because our issues are not, you know, special interest type issues or just, uh, you know, um, meat and potatoes, sort of economics workplace type issues. And we knock off all this extremism where you've got these extreme candidates running in the primaries. And then once the primary is over, the general election is kind of a foregone conclusion because the maps are so rigged. So that's, uh, that's what's at stake here, and we need to rebalance uh, what's happening in the Columbus.
1: And I want to point out, that this year, Michigan eliminated right to work. That happened earlier in the year. And uh, what happened first, though, they had to change the maps because, once again, they had a conservative majority who put in right to work in the middle of the night. This was about maybe 10, 12 years ago when they had a supermajority, but when they changed the maps, Michigan changed dramatically, and Ohio can do the same if the voters uh, approve that citizens, not politicians, which, you know, you know, considering what happened at the polls, uh, Ohio is definitely not a red, red state. There's no question about that. It, it's, uh, it's definitely gone more conservative over the years, but uh, I think the the voters spoke at the polls. Um, a couple of weeks ago. Let's switch gears here and talk about, uh, well, it is the end of the year and you have to be careful of what happens in the legislature. There's a Senate Bill 83. Why don't you explain what this is all about? And it, we're we're talking about um, um, higher learning here, universities and colleges that are under attack, the, the people that work in those institutions. Can you explain the, the story on this one, Tim?
4: Well, it's an extreme Republican attempt to try to say, uh, rein in what they consider um, these social and uh, things that are happening on campus that you know, it makes no sense what they're trying to do to try to say here's what you can teach and how you can teach it in higher education. And in the process they want to do things that would negatively impact uh, professors' collective bargaining rights. So we've opposed the bill. It's still kinda kicking around out there. It passed the state senate as before the state house. The speaker of the house came out publicly last week and said that the votes aren't there to pass it, but we're still keeping our eye on that, and there may be a hearing tomorrow on it. So uh, that's a piece of legislation that you know we we need to be, again, getting back to gerrymandering. We need to be focusing on real issues uh, to help Ohioans uh, get to work um, reduce inflation, uh, have wages up, uh, healthcare, all these issues that really matter to the working Ohioans rather than fussing around with, uh, these, these made up issues. Um, and these made up issues have real consequences. And, you know, it was 2011 when we had the big fight in Ohio over protecting the collective bargaining law for public employees. And here they are wanting to, you know, mess around with it again and, and negatively impact uh, for college professors, so that's one piece of legislation we're trying to get, you know, to the first of the year uh, uh, without that piece of legislation moving, and then it's a two-year legislative session, so they'll pick it back up in January, and, uh, you know, usually they run it all the the way almost to Christmas in a lame duck session, so it's going to be a very busy legislative season in addition to the political years, so uh, look forward to being on the program here and talking about things as they develop. Well,
1: Tim, I'm going to ask you one more question before you go. We had Fred Redmond on the show yesterday. He was the secretary-treasurer, as you know, of the uh, national AFL-CIO, and we were talking about what happened with organized labor this year. A lot of people, I mean almost a million people, got new contracts. Why? Because they raised their voices. Many of them went on strike, we, especially the UAW brothers and sisters there, but, uh, they got some significant wage gains and benefits, um, increases to their pensions, healthcare, things of that nature. So you know, when you, when you look at what happened in 2023, it was astronomical. I mean, it, and a lot of this, a lot of this had to do with the militancy of some of the new labor leaders. And I'm just wondering in the state of Ohio, how, how do you feel about, uh, about, you know, going into 2024, you just mentioned, it's going to be a politically charged year, but unions seem to be pretty uh, charged up right now. Don't you
4: think we unions and union members had a great year in 2023? You're absolutely right. Uh, This is uh, when you look at public approval of organized labor, it's never been higher. When you look at what's happening in the white house, we've never had a president who has been so pro union. I mean, president Biden went to the picket line in Detroit, right? Um, uh, or in Michigan, well, I mean that's never happened. A sitting president has never gone to a picket line to support the workers. Uh, what's happening at the National Labor Relations Board with Biden's new board there, it's getting back to its original intent of protecting workers. So you're seeing organizing, you're seeing worksite actions. You're seeing new contracts fought for and won all across the board, uh, public and private sector, uh working people um are coming together to say we're stronger together and they're speaking up and the pandemic um opened up a lot of people's minds and eyes that uh the the employers need us right they need us to make things go they need us to turn a profit and we ought to be able to have a say in our working conditions our wages our health care our retirement security and 2023 was a great year for organized labor and and workers on the march, and we're going to keep that momentum going. I love to hear
1: that. Tim Berg, a president of the Ohio AFL-CIO, OhioAFLCIO.org, for complete updates. You take care. Have a wonderful holiday, and we'll talk to you in January. Okay, brother? All right. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Dev Wakley will be joining us. He is a worker policy advocate for an organization called Alabama, arise back in a few minutes.
0: You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens.
2: It takes Laiuna to power North America with affordable energy. That's liuna.org. Are you an
1: experienced mechanical insulator looking to take your career to the next level? Insulators Local 50 in Central Ohio has steady work for a number of years. Insulators Local 50 offers a total wage and benefits package that can't be beat. It's not just the competitive wages. Local 50 also provides medical, vision, and dental insurance With no paycheck deductions for you and your family. Don't miss out on the chance to secure your future. Join us at Insulators Local 50. Earn great pay and the best benefits. Visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF50 to fill out the online form and a Local 50 representative will call to begin the process. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. This segment of America's
3: Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more.
1: This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers. For more information, please visit bacweb.org.
0: There is unity and strength for workers.
4: We are the USW. We are the
0: USW. The United Steelworkers. Steelworkers. The largest
5: industrial union in North America.
4: We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean.
5: We work in metals, rubber,
4: chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service
2: sector.
0: We are Steelworkers. Standing strong. And fighting for what's right.
2: America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd-Waterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWaterson.com.
1: America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org.
0: Now, back to Ed Flash Ferris with America's Workforce.
1: And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. When you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings. So please keep them coming. Let's go to uh, line number two right now. Welcome a newcomer to the show. His name is Dev Wakeley. Dev is with an organization called Alabama Arise. Website, alarise.org. And he serves as a worker policy advocate. He's going to talk about the state of working Alabama and also, a new report on the auto industry in Alabama. Dev Wakely, welcome to America's Workforce. I was reading online. I guess you have a, a legal background. Every time we have a new guest on the show, I like to get a little deeper into their background and, and how you got involved in this organization. So can you uh, pick it up from there? Go ahead, brother.
5: Absolutely. Uh, hey, thanks for having me all today. I appreciate it. So uh, background-wise, I... Went to law school. Uh, born and raised in Alabama. Went, went to law school here. Always knew I wanted to work on policy, and got the chance to do so pretty soon after graduating. I uh, did a little did a little private bar work before this position came open, but uh, plaintiff side EEO law because that's the good kind of work, <laughs> and uh, got the chance to do policy work at Arise, which has been a longtime leader in uh, anti-poverty work in the state of Alabama. We, we're about 30 years old and we've been working to improve the lives of working Alabamians ever since we began um, We're a member directed we're told what to do every year by the members who vote every year on our issue priorities Those change sometimes from year to year, but they're always focused on increasing the well-being of the least well-off in Alabama uh-huh. and We got the chance a couple of years ago to start working on uh, labor issues and, and worker policy advocacy and one thing that you know anybody who's done this work for a significant amount of time knows is that when you increase the the unionization rates and the well-being of you know, factory line workers and and people who are working at the two to three times the the minimum wage um, wage level you raise everyone's well-being the the numbers bear this out it's it's absolutely undeniable So, one of the best ways to raise the well-being of of people who are in poverty in Alabama is to raise the well-being of the working class overall. And the way to do that is to increase unionization rates and to increase the power of workers in their workplaces and in slightly better off-wage work.
1: And I know when it comes to the southern states, Alabama is is above the others when it comes to union density. And I, I don't know, the last figure I saw was about maybe seven, seven and a half percent. And you compare that to like uh, South Carolina, which is under two percent. Um, Louisiana's not very good, but uh, obviously you're making some inroads when it comes to uh, getting more people involved in unions. But uh, let, let's talk about the state of working Alabama. And it's important, like you pointed out, that that people realize, I, I think a lot of people don't even realize they're getting screwed when it comes to wages and to benefits. And, and they often don't know that unless they travel to uh, states like uh, up north where union density is higher when you, and you see what kind of uh, benefits that people are getting on their jobs. I mean, look at the UAW. UAW said right away, we're going to have to go in the South and start organizing. And there's, there's 13 companies that they're, they're targeting right now. So I'm, I'm sure you'll be hearing from them in the not-too-distant future. But let's zero in on this. Speaking of, of uh, cars and trucks, wheel in a ditch, a closer look at Alabama's big bet on the auto manufacturing industry. So some years back, and maybe you can give us some historical perspective here your uh, leaders there, your uh, elected leaders said, okay, we, we need to bring some of the uh, auto companies here. Um, they didn't talk about, you know, organizing them, but but maybe you could pick it up from there because they gave them a whole lot of money and maybe some of that money is not going to workers. What, what happened here, Wes?
5: Sure. Uh, so what, what we're dealing with in Alabama is an auto industry that, that pays significantly lower wages. Uh, and has significantly worse conditions of employment than the same industry doing the exact same work in other states. Uh, It's kind of unsurprising because Alabama's model of industrial development is historically to give companies absolutely everything they ask for and to require practically nothing of them in return. And in the case of the auto industry, that development strategy has really been fundamental to, to bring these companies here. The state of Alabama has incentivized these companies to the tune of more more than $1.6 billion in public funds, uh, much of which comes out of our education trust fund. And that money has gone to building an industry in the state that has has increased its presence significantly. But at the same time, the auto industry has increased its presence. Uh, Job quality within the sector has been declining uh, pretty precipitously over the past 20 years. So when the industry began in the state, what we saw was an industry that paid significantly above the local manufacturing wage, even though those job quality standards were never equivalent to what they were in um, more unionized states. The the best comparator state that that i found is Michigan in terms of quality of living, and frankly that's that's good in terms of unionization versus non-unionized work comparison as well. Um, So what we see in Alabama is an auto industry that pays its workers significantly less, even though workers pay basically the same cost of living. Uh, if you look at the housing prices in, say, the Detroit MSA, um, Metropolitan Statistical Area, um, versus the Birmingham Metro MSA, well, it costs basically the same, almost exactly the same, in fact, to, to buy a house in both areas. Really? But, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you look in terms of you know basic cost of living in terms of grocery prices, it's almost exactly the same. And Alabama has the, the nasty history of having a, a, a grocery tax as well, so that's an additional burden upon working people here. So the, the argument that folks are paying less to live here so it's somehow okay to pay them a lower wage, uh, first of all, it's a terrible wage because if people who are doing the same work should be paid the same anyway. And second, it's a terrible argument because it's not true. Alabamians are paying the exact same to work. They're just not getting paid as much for the work they're doing.
1: What, what's the difference here? I mean, when you compare the wages, you said significantly lower, what, what's significant?
5: Uh, the Mercedes top out is 26 or was 26. <laughs> and there, what we're seeing now, interestingly too, is since the UAW had such a massive win with our contract renegotiations, a lot of the companies down here are running scared. So mm-hmm. it's another indication that when, organized workers win it it raises the well being for everybody. Sure. Um we we would of course love to see and, and expect to see in the very near future those plants become organized themselves. Um uh, but I but I will tell you that even even already uh workers in Alabama are seeing wins because of UAW's wins. Yeah.
1: Oh across the board I think Nissan, Toyota Hyundai, Honda, they're all raising wages, some of them close to uh, what the UAW got in their contract, probably not with benefits, but certainly with, uh, with wages and all that. So things could dramatically change here. But um, I'm just wondering, when, when uh, as far as this message that, that you're getting out about that, do the people understand what's um what's at play here that did, did they i i it goes back to that comment i said earlier did they realize they're getting screwed i'm just wondering about
5: that so i, I think at this point yeah uh it, it's becoming pretty apparent that work quality for for folks working here is significantly worse than it is in other places and when i was talking with some of the folks i interviewed for the for the report some of the some of the more constant refrains I heard were that you know, new workers, younger workers, just didn't get, they didn't understand the decline in job quality even within the state that people have experienced over the last couple of years. And that's intentional actually. Uh, What these companies have done is offer buyouts over a couple of buyouts over the course of the past 20 years to workers to get their uh, better paid, older workers out of the workforce and bring in younger folks who really don't understand what they've already lost and the interviews I conducted basically told me that work in the auto manufacturing sector in Alabama uh, when it began was viewed as a much much like a UAW job as a career once you got on you stayed there you retired there because it was viewed as a, a solid job in a state that has historically low worker wages and That's not the case anymore. What people are seeing now is is workers come in and work for a couple of years and then then churn churn to someplace else. And that really benefits the manufacturers at the expense of the workforce overall and really the the workers themselves in the long run. So folks in Alabama are getting paid, uh, frankly, a pittance to do heavy, skilled, tough and dangerous manufacturing work. And what, what we see is routine worker abuses in the state that are enabled by the lack of a unionized workforce. Uh, I think everyone um, by now has heard of the, the Hyundai child labor scandals. Well, that sort of stuff could never happen in a unionized plant um, because the workers have power there. And when you see Hyundai leveraging their power to hire undocumented middle school age children, you know, that that's not the way that, uh, it's not sustainable and it's, and it's frankly, uh, not right. And disgusting. And the way to stop it is to have a, a plant that answers to the people who do the work in the plant.
1: That's where the unions come in. Like you're, like you just said, a wheel in a ditch, a wheel in the ditch, a closer look at Alabama's big bet on the auto manufacturing industry. Do check out this report. It's on the website for Alabama Arise, A-L-Arise.org. Joining us on our live line today is Dev Wakeley, who is a worker policy advocate for Alabama Rise. We'll continue with him right after this.
0: This is America's Workforce. More shows available at
2: awfradio.com. It takes Layuna to keep America running.
1: The Iron Workers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Iron Workers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO.
3: A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust-building always in mind. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more.
1: America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. There is
0: unity and strength for
5: workers.
4: We are the USW. We are the
5: USW.
4: The United United
1: Steelworkers.
5: The largest industrial union in North America.
4: We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean.
5: We work in metals, rubber,
4: chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector.
0: We are Steelworkers. Standing strong. And fighting for what's right.
1: America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org.
0: Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash
1: Ferrens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, ULAgency.org is your website. I've got to give another shout out to our friends at the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Scott Paul, their president will be on the show this Thursday and one of the things we're going to talk about is the Made in America Holiday Gift Guide. So if you go to americanmanufacturing.org and you're looking for a gift made in the USA, they've got gifts from every state, all 50 states along with the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. And so it's all there, and I'll tell you, a lot, of, a lot of people want American-made gifts. They can't find them. Well, they say they can't find them. Well, here's your opportunity, AmericanManufacturing.org. Let's go back to the uh, state of Alabama. Joining us on our live line today is Dev Wakely. Dev is a worker policy advocate for Alabama Arise, website, ALArise.org, talking about the state of working Alabama and a new report that just came out, and it's all posted on their website a wheel in the district, a closer look at Alabama's big bet on the auto manufacturing industry. And truly, as you indicated in the first segment, Dev, this was a bet. You pointed out that the lawmakers, and this goes back, what, what two to three decades. It was in the 1990s when they were luring these companies to do business in the state of Alabama. And uh, you indicated 1.6% billion, with a B, $1.6 billion in tax incentives that ultimately hurt the schools. Now, <laughs> uh, something had to be made up here, uh, and, and, and schools have to be suffering, Can, and I'm sure Alabama Arise has addressed that. Can you explain the dynamics here? Because y- you're not alone. They've done this in various states. I know in the state of South Carolina. When Nikki Haley was the governor, she gave away the whole store to attract Boeing because they wanted to go non-union, and as a result, the schools there are suffering. But let's talk about Alabama. How are the schools faring as a result of this, Wes?
5: Well, so what we see here um, is a willingness historically to give away pretty much anything the companies ask for, and that results in a tax structure that is – corporate focused and and benefits companies at the expense of everyday people. Right. And one of the ways it does that is by flat out giving away public money out of the general fund uh, and out of the education trust fund. So our tax structure is really regressive in the state of Alabama and we're one of the uh, few states to have a grocery tax at the state level and we were We were successful this year in kind of and knocking off an, an eventual half of that state portion of the grocery tax. But we still have a way to go on that. So the way that the way that this interplay works is that um, our property taxes are historically low, and our sales taxes are really high. It's kind of the classic southern uh, inversion of the way that a fair tax structure is. And our state has been willing to our state and localities too, they're not immune from this either. Um, they've been willing to give away significant portions of tax revenue to these companies to in, to supposedly incentivize them to come here. Mm-hmm. And as a little bit of background, it turns out that companies themselves even admit that um, tax incentives are not one of the primary reasons that they can that they choose to locate in a place. The primary reason is uh, a developed workforce capable of performing the work. And Alabama's been. Um, intent on developing the workforce to, to do advanced manufacturing uh, over the last couple of decades. And the second motivating reason is the ready accessibility to the raw materials of manufacture and ability to transport those materials, both of which Alabama has in spades. So there's really no need to give away the farm, frankly, to, to lure these companies here in the first place. But the state does it anyway. And the impact of that is the perpetuation of, a, of, a, of an upside down taxation structure that benefits these companies. And what we've done instead, as I say we, what, what policymakers have done in the state instead of making a, a stable investment in education is to unfortunately tie our education revenues to the state sales tax, including the grocery tax, which is an extraordinarily volatile way of funding education, which is uh, basically something that's going to cost pretty much the same every year, and you can predict how much you're going to need for an education budget. As a result, unfortunately, our, our state, uh, because of the way we've chosen to fund our education system, has gone through what, gone through proration uh, a number of times over the past 50 years. And that has resulted in uh, measurable harm to, to teachers themselves and to, to students um, because of inability to, to remain in the classroom uh, and, and to be taught by teachers who are being paid adequately. So betting on companies to invest and develop things out of the goodness of their own hearts is a bad bet. Uh, betting on them to deal with their own self-interest and advance themselves is historically a good one. So what we've seen is an advanced, like a major growth in the number of jobs that are in the auto sector in Alabama, but a simultaneous decline in job quality. Right. Um, and that has resulted in wh- where we are now, which is uh, a state regulatory system that's scrambling to, to, to say we're going to do workforce development. Uh, b- because the state has not invested adequately in its people, and instead has chosen to take that money out of public offers and to line the pockets of shareholders with it.
1: So what lawmakers have done, they said that they were going to create jobs, not necessarily good jobs. And that's exactly what happened in the state of uh, Alabama some, some uh, three decades ago when they came up with these uh, tax incentives. So, so, Dev, let me ask you this. Uh, this report that came out, I assume it came out recently, A Wheel in the Ditch, A closer look at Alabama's big bet on the auto manufacturing industry. Has this been a wake-up call? Has uh, those in the legislature say, oh, maybe we went a little too far? We gave away the store? Has any of that happened yet?
5: It is beginning to happen, actually. Um, And it's great to hear legislators sort of transition from the, well, let's lure business here at whatever cost mentality to, well, we need to make sure that these people are, are actually bringing economic benefits to the working people of Alabama. Uh, I was in a workforce development hearing a, a few weeks ago, actually bef- before the uh, before the report came out, but after we'd started kind of beating the bushes about some of the things that, were, that are contained in it. And one of the really powerful legislators was highly interested in expanding some clawback provisions uh, that, can really add some teeth to the requirement to, to bring good jobs to the state. So he was interested in, uh, in implementing a prevailing wage requirement, for instance, and what that would entail. It's great to hear. Uh, it's a significant departure from what we've seen in the past. And I attribute that really to the significant development in the labor atmosphere in Alabama over the last probably five or six years, where workers are starting to realize that, the, the situation with the policies of Alabama is, is not just not good, but unsustainable and unworkable. So we're seeing massive unionization campaigns in the state of Alabama across the board, really, Every, everybody from um, Starbucks workers, United to Amazon to UAW to uh, Communication Workers of America. There are huge developments in the labor atmosphere, and we're starting to see, because we've been, Showing this data for a while now that that shows, I mean, you you can't have a thriving state when you don't pay people enough to live on. Frankly, it seems like a common sense argument, but you you got to you got to make it uh, repeatedly because it's in a lot of legislators' best interest not to understand it themselves because they get paid not to. But we've seen a significant development there over the last couple of years, where frankly, taking to the streets and showing up at the Capitol at the State House has, has made folks understand that the people really mean business and they need policies that enable them to, to work and to build a thriving life for themselves.
1: Well, that is good to hear. Obviously the fruits of your labor are paying off. So let's keep in touch on this. Do check out the website, Alabama arise, a L arise.org. I like to thank uh, Adam Keller. I know Adam works with you and he's been a guest on our show from the uh, Valley Labor Report. So he's been telling me some good things. So obviously, it's good to hear from you that the, the tide might be changing. All right. You take care. Stay in touch with us. Okay, Dev?
5: Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it.
1: All right. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, We Are Somebody, a new group supporting strikers and teamsters as bud tenders more on that tomorrow until then all of you have a safe and wonderful day
0: that concludes another episode of the america's workforce radio podcast thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show america's workforce is a production of labor tools and bma media group
2: find out more information online at labortools.com